0: Shares so with you a word of expectation, just believing God in this next season, in this church, coming with expectation that His presence will be here when we gather together in His name, coming with expectation for healings and miracles, coming with expectation that God can do kind of what we saying about today—that God is able, that He can do things beyond what we could ever ask or imagine—and that's not because Pastor John says it, because that's what Scripture teaches us, and we truly believe in that. And I uh, just want to say, first of all, welcome and happy New Year. I'm Pastor John. Good to have you here now in 2024, and uh, I want to also just remind you of the Bible Engagement Project. It is not too late to be involved. We had 22 that were here this past Wednesday night, which is a great group. But there's some of you that are still planning to be here, at Novav, and I know that. And there may be some of you others that are considering it, and I want to strongly encourage you to do that. Uh, Wednesday nights, where we start off at prayer, so we started at 6:30 with prayer. And then we moved it over to the Bible Engagement Project at 7. And your students also, so 6th through 12th grade, also have a group where they are going through the Bible Engagement Project together. Their questions are a little bit different than the adults, so it looks a little bit different. But they're going through the same things that we are as adults. So as a family, and theoretically, if you're going through this with you and your team, then you can have conversations around the things that you're both learning through the Bible Engagement Project. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Um, I, you know, I'm going into it, and I'm not expecting 100% attendance every every week or every yeah every week or every year. But I'd like to see as many people engage and involved and as much as possible in it because I believe when God's people begin to engage God's word together, they begin to talk and discuss some of the things that they're learning. but God sharpens us. It's like iron sharpens iron, right? We grow together in that way. So I encourage you to be a, bar, a part of the Bible engagement project. be a part of it starting this Wednesday. And I also want to let you know that the, this week is the Assembly of God Week of Prayer, and it begins today. You'll notice if you have your worship guide, you'll notice an insert in there that tells you about the different focus for each day throughout the week. So there's just a quick focus on what to be praying for, so that uh, not only are you praying with our church, but you're also praying with Assembly of God churches around the world uh, based on some of these things, and we know that you've got God moves when God's people pray. And when God's people pray around the world and we're all focusing our prayers together, God begins to do great things. Uh, if you are, if you like our Facebook page, you'll notice also on there that the, the videos are posted every day. They will be posted every day for you to watch it through Facebook. But if you have, if you've given me your email address and you're part of our newsletter group, you are also going to get an email with that same video. It's a, a video talking about the particular focus for each day of prayer want well, I encourage you to, to participate in that and uh, be a part of really prayer around the world and prayer for our nation, especially, and uh, you'll see the different things that you're praying for. Amen. How many this morning have some New Year's resolutions? You have some goals for the year. Raise your hand if you do. Already broken. Mighty broken. Yeah. How many of you just don't do that? Because what's the point, right? You're just going to break it in a month or so, so, you know, you're... Kind of a little bit on the negative side of that. Just, you know, I'm just gonna let myself off the book now because I'm just probably gonna break it in a week or so. Three days. Three days, okay. If you did have goals, or maybe you did have resolutions for 2023, some of you may look at that and see maybe there's some of those things that you wrote down that you accomplished. And you can say, job, well done, that was great. But there's probably other things that were on your 2023 goals. That it quite accomplish those things. And so you look at it like, okay, well I got some things and other things not. Maybe you've taken that same goal and you've copied it over to this next year. How many of you do that? If you didn't quite achieve it 2023, I'm gonna take the same goal and pop it over to 2024. Anybody do that? Yeah. So we're gonna make it a goal for this year. We're gonna, we're gonna fix this thing this year, right? That's, that's kind of the goal. Keep moving forward. So most people, as you, as you know, do not make it very far into the year their resolutions and maybe you have some goals for this year maybe you're going to eat better maybe you're going to sleep better maybe you're going to exercise maybe you're going to get your finances in order you know you've been living above your needs for a long time now it's time to kind of get track of that and begin to pull back and figure that out maybe you're going to read more pray more serve more and if we're being honest sometimes our goals seem a bit overwhelming first question when we begin thinking of goals is usually like, how am I going to do this? And when am I going to do this, right? Especially if it's a specific goal like exercise. When am I going to squeeze this in to what I'm doing? And if your family is at all like our family, you have too many things to do and not enough time to squeeze it all in. Can anyone relate to that? Maybe you can relate to this. Family growth. Time to pack the car And when you travel with kids, especially, there is a lot to pack. Now, when our kids were younger, when they were babies, there's even more to pack. I remember trying to squeeze a stroller, a pack and play, a booster seat, all their favorite toys, and a diaper bag. I ain't counting luggage or anything yet. That's just most of the car right there. But there's a lot to pack, and sometimes somehow you. Squeeze it all in using every square cubic inch of that back. Squeezing everything you can and fitting it wherever it will fit. And before you know it, your car is dragging from the weight, right? The car is overstuffed. It's overloaded. And sometimes when you're making goals, it feels like you're just adding more to an already full car, doesn't it? Like, I already have all of this going on. Now I'm just going to go ahead and add to that. I'm going to find some way to squeeze something more in there. See if I can maybe just either jump on the trunk or just slam the door close, so I can get it all in. Never mind when you open it. In there, You're falling out, right? Am I the only one? Am I the only one that can relate to that? Harvard <laughs> Business School did a survey, and they said that seven out of ten surveyed said that they were characteristically a word that I know Douglas hates. Busy. They were busy. And I don't need a Harvard really to tell me that because probably 10 out of 10 people that I've talked to said, things are great, but I'm. You can do better than that. But I'm busy. busy. Things are great, but I'm busy. And despite busyness, we read of a seemingly upside down concept in Scripture something that's really hard for us to grab onto. And you know how Scripture teaches us how things ought to be, and sometimes they're just not that way. Or sometimes we struggle in believing what Scripture says about that. In most of our experience, we we have a hard time making sense of some of the things Scripture teaches us. Matthew chapter eleven. We're going to start there this morning, verses twenty-eight to thirty. It's going to be at the New Living Translation behind me, and it says this. Then Jesus said, "Come to me." All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. How many of that read, how many people read that and say, that just doesn't? To make sense to me. Why is this thing called rest anyway? Sounds like hot chocolate on a snow getting day, right? Sounds like a luxury we cannot afford. Sounds glorious, this thing called rest. I've heard of it once. Right? There's one problem. God tells us that we can come to Him and we can rest, I don't always. always feel like I can rest in his presence. Instead, sometimes life feels overstuffed, overloaded, and I'm dragging with the weight. But here Jesus is offering a different way of life, which is hard for even some of us seasoned Christians to follow. One of the things we love about New Year's is a fresh start. But what Jesus is offering here is for us to start fresh. Start resting. This is why today's message is called Start Fresh. How to live rested in an exhausted world. What better place to start rest than in God's Word? The passage we're going to read today is a passage that we read together at the Bible engagement practice on Sunday. But I don't know how many of you know this, but on Christmas Eve, December 24th, 1968, the crew of Apollo 8, the first humans to travel to the moon, read Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 through 10 of the air races from the book of Genesis on a live television broadcast. And this morning we're going to participate with them in a sense, we're going to read it together in verses 1 through 5, we're going to read part of that today. Genesis 1, 1 through 5, it says this, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. And darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good, then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness night. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. And we see the same pattern through this particular passage of Scripture in Genesis for days 2, 2, 3, 4, 5 that God created. He saw that it was good. And then evening and morning came and then it was the next day. Evening and morning came and it was the next day. And then on day 6, it says this in verses 27. We're just going to read 27 and 31 in chapter, Genesis chapter 1. It says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them Male and female he created them. Then God looked over all that he made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came. Marking the sixth day. We know that Genesis has kind of a poetic form, and in this poetic form, there's rhythm, and there's repetition, and the repetition shows the importance of a particular phrase. That something is important, it is repeated. I said that repetition is important. And the more it's... The more important it is, the more repeated it is. It is important. It's repeated. And then repeated, and then repeated again. And if it's important, it's really repeated a lot of times.
1: And so this is what we see in Genesis chapter 1. We see some
0: repetition that's going on here. Now some of you, when you, you pick up your phone after church... Because, of course, you turn all your sounds off, it's not reading during service, right? Check, that's a check for all of you. everybody just check that real quick. You look at your phone and there's one missed call, and you're like, no big deal, I missed one call. But maybe you look at your phone after service and say, there's 12 missing calls on the same person. Uh, would you think that that repetitive calling back was probably, at least it better be important, Right? You're either dealing with somebody who's dealing with something pretty important that they're trying to get a hold of you with, or you're dealing with a crazy person. <laughs> but you might want to consider not answering that call, maybe blocking them if that's the case, right? Because repetition shows importance. Repetition is something that when it's done over and over again, you're thinking, there must be there must be something important here. So in this passage we see that we see that God created, He saw that it was good, there was evening, and there was morning. But where do our day usually start? What, what part of the day usually starts for us? For us, it's usually morning, and then there's evening, right? It makes more sense for us when we look at it and we say, well, no, there's morning and there's evening. So in the morning, I wake up and do the things I need to do for the day, then in the evening, I get off the and I do other things. So it seems a little backwards here. Why would you repeat over and over again? There was evening, and then there was morning. What is God trying to say to us here? Because, again, with repetition, it's showing that there's some importance here. The pattern was repeated several times. We start our day with work, we move to rest. And when our work is done, we rest. And when we've done enough, we rest. That's our rhythm of life. We work, and we rest. That's how our day works. There's morning, and then there's evening. That's not what we see Culture is that the day starts with rest. Eating with your family, talking, sleep, and then you work. What does this matter? Those passages are written by a man named Moses. You may have heard of him. Moses was born in an Egyptian household, he lived in the household of Pharaoh. Moses, the man who killed someone and then fled, and God called him to go back to save his own people and to deliver his own people, and his people have become have become enslaved by the Egyptians. He would have been a slave as well, maybe dead, and not son of the river. So the first people who have heard this Genesis chapter one, the people who would have been able to read Genesis chapter one, were the Israelite like people. For a big part of their history, they were either enslaved in Egypt or they were wandering around aimlessly looking for a promised land. And what did their lives look like when they were slaves? They literally built the empire that enslaved them. They helped make the roads that the Egyptian armies traveled on. They helped build the monuments that declared Pharaoh's greatness. And here's the message that God is speaking here. God is telling them, I am not Pharaoh. Your life is no longer the life of a slave. It's going to be different because I have a different rhythm for my people that's not valued on just what you do. Your value is no longer me, wrapped up in what you can build because your day will not start when the sun rises. Your value is no longer just me. Your days will start with rest because your value comes from what God has said about you, not what else say about you. In Genesis 1, the message that God has for his people is, I created you, I saw you before you did anything, and what did I do? I said that you were good. That you were created in God's own image. And God says, I have a different rhythm for you, and it doesn't start with work, it starts with Why? Because to rest is to trust that what God has done is enough. To rest is to trust that what God has done is enough. And aren't you glad that we've all moved past this? Aren't you glad that in our technology and our social progression we no longer assign value of others? We don't have to place our value, our value by checking our emails several times a day, seeing if anybody emailed us or our importance is all wrapped up in that.
1: We don't have to see how many likes on uh, a post that
0: we made that we got. We don't have to value uh, our, our to-do list and the things that we crossed off. are we led to now we don't have all those things are still here, right? You see I walk up to someone and say, I'm just going to use a arbitrary name. Hey, Ron. Hey, Ron, it's nice to meet you. Hey, what do you do for a living? Where do you work? What do you do here? What do you build? What have you built? What have you done? Sometimes we place a lot of value then there's a problem in this because it's exhausting, isn't it? Because you, you'll never make enough. You always want more. And here's the crazy thing. It's not Pharaoh that makes us do it. I do it to myself. And you do it to yourself. Hey, do you want to take that promotion that takes you away from your family that you're, you've already well provided for, but you get a better title Or we see all kinds of potential in little four-year-old Johnny. Then maybe we should do five days of basketball lessons with him because we think he can become something great. Oh yeah, sure, let's do that too. Or maybe you have this pressure to make your home like the HGTV stuff that you see, and you want your home to be like that. And absolutely, let's, let's go ahead and add that to the list of the things that I want to make sure I get done. Or you want to make sure that your meals are perfect and they look great, like all the chefs and things that you see on TV, or. TikTok or Pinterest. You want to do those things. Yeah, let's go ahead and add that to my list. Maybe you want to start a side hustle and make some more money, even though you really don't need it, but you just want to prove some value to someone that you can also become a celebrity, in the sense. Yeah, let's go ahead and add that to my let's add that to the back of the car. Let's squeeze a little bit more in there. Yeah, Jesus tells us, I have a better baby I have a better way to live than this. And that better way is we're going to start fresh. We're going to start to shift our mentality. We're going to start our day with rest. That sounds great. Matthew creation 16-17. This is a great passage of scripture here. Let's talk about Jesus after his baptism. It says, after his baptism as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the spirit of God ascending like a dove, and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. This is the first adult story we see in the book of Matthew, of Jesus. And I want you to recognize something. This was before Jesus did anything. This was before Jesus did anything. Why? Because God loved him in the same way that he loves you. He doesn't love you because, fill in the blank. He doesn't love you for what you can do. He just loves you, period. Before Jesus did a thing, he said, this is my son, in what well God's to-done list is more important than your to-do list. God's to-done list is more important than your to-do list. This is what God has done for you even this morning before you got up Bed. What has he done? He created you. He saved you. He healed you. He adopted you. He comforted you. He called you. He gifted you. He goes before you and he is with Maybe just maybe because of his to-do list, we can put down our to-do list and rest. Trusting that what he has done is enough. I want to make this clear: this is not an anti-work message. Evening and morning go together. We rest and then we work. Rest is what prepares us for work. We were created to work, we are called to work, we are called to be alongside God. God is saying that when he has a new way, that new way is the first rest. But for so many people, it's just, crazy. there is no rest. There is no rest. <coughs> we do not work for God's approval, we work for thing. You've heard that it exists, but maybe you've never experienced it for yourself. You have no idea what rest is. Rest is whatever focuses on the goodness of God. Rest is whatever focuses focuses us on the goodness of God. Sleep can be rest. if good to sleep. Probably not asleep. Maybe it's worship. Maybe it's a good meal with people that you care of, people that you love. Reading God's word, maybe it's laughing with a friend. Maybe it's a walk outside, golfing, prayer, or a vacation. Family vacation. Those are all forms of rest. Now there are three rhythms that we see in scripture, and how we can include the rhythm of rest in our lives. First, we can include in our daily lives. So daily rhythm of rest. A daily rhythm of rest. Evening and morning. So we start in the evening eating dinner with your family, talking about things of substance, reading the Bible, guiding prayer, maybe walking the dog, or maybe if you're a single parent, your daily rhythm of rest is the three minutes that you get before you get out of bed. <clears throat> but we have to find that daily rhythm of rest. What am I going to do daily to be able to continue then, second, there's the weekly rhythm of rest. So, we have our daily habits, our daily things that are continuing to keep that rest of Christ. On the seventh day, God rested. That's the Sabbath. That's church. This is an extended time to enjoy the goodness of God together as we gather together in His name. And it's not a coincidence that we have church once a week, typically, our main service once a week. Why? Because it's one of the easiest and best ways for us to establish this rhythm of our lives and the rhythm of rest in our lives. We're reminded consistently of the goodness of God and what he do. It's a weekly rhythm of rest. And of course, there's a seasonal rhythm of rest that's something you just experienced. Where there's feasts and festivals, different holidays and vacations, so Christmas, New Year's, Anniversary celebrations, a vacation with the family, maybe a couple of days in the outdoors together. So there are seasons of rest to enjoy God's goodness. Because there was a season of work. Sometimes life will be busy. It's okay. Sometimes life will be a lot of work. And that's okay as long as we start with rest. Putting our trust in the fact that God has already done enough for us. Now when you see the typical family vacation pictures, a lot of times you see a difference in the faces of those that participate. Some of us uh, are smiling without a care in the world, and that's usually the kids, right? Because they don't have any responsibility, they just kind of sit and they're having fun.
1: Then there's some more
0: stressing about the time, you know, how long is it going to take to get there, the directions... The money, how much is it going to cost, fitting everything into the car, and it's frustration that builds. And the question that you have to ask yourself is will you trust that God is enough in 2024? Will you trust that God enough in 2024? Will you be the one living worried, stressed, I Not just to a fresh start this year, but to start fresh. Going into 2024, it pretty good to me. That's right. Lord, thank you so much that as we're stepping into 2024, that you are with us, that you are for us. I continue today, I wonder how many of you know that you don't just need to start fresh, but you need a fresh start. You need a fresh start in life. You've come to the place of realizing that whether it was 2023 or years before, that life's not working Says to us that we have we have learned something for our actions, but what we've learned is to be separated from God, a holy, just, loving God. But in His goodness. did for us what we could not do for ourselves. We can't save ourselves. We can't do enough good things or good works to somehow achieve salvation. He sent His Son, Jesus, to live a perfect life and to pay for our sins on the cross. After three days, God didn't leave Him in the grave, but He rose from the dead. He conquered them in the grave of hell. And He was raised to new life. gives us for a fresh start it isn't just a clean age, it's a new life in Jesus Christ. If you would like to start this new year giving your life to Christ, whether you're returning and you walked away for a while and you're coming life for Jesus. By blessing over you today, let us go into 2024 with expectation—expectation expectation of what God can do in us, to us, and through us. Let us go into 2024 with the trust in God. That's why I came <laughs> and did this. I was like <laughs> draft, I get yeah, like yeah. something?